Today's Word of Mom Radio here on the Word of Mom Media Network. I'm your host, Dory DiCarlo, and you know we are here week after week, show after show, breaking those myths that mompreneurs and business women, especially those of us building our businesses from home, that we're just dabbling in between bake sales and getting our nails done. We're not. We are smart, we are savvy, and we are sharing the wisdom of women in business and in life. And I am looking forward to bringing today's guests. To the air. Meg George is a mom, writer, speaker, and a consultant on impactful philanthropy who finds fulfillment in educating the next generations of philanthropists on the power of generosity. She and her husband, Phil, co-balance running their consultancy, George Philanthropy Group, with raising their very own good humans in South Florida and upstate New York. Her debut children's book, What's Philanthropy to Philomena, has just launched and can be found along with other personal essays on MegTGeorge.com. So with all that being said, Meg, welcome to Word of Mom Radio. Thank you. Thanks, Dory. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to be sharing you, and I would love for you to take us on your journey that has led you to become a philanthropy advisor, and then you can actually tell people what that is. Yeah, of course. I was born and raised in upstate New York. I had never grown up around the word philanthropy and went to college in Syracuse, New York, at a small liberal arts college where I stayed after graduation to work as what they refer to as a frontline fundraiser. So I did a lot of alumni engagement. I traveled around to New York City, Washington, D.C., the, the west side of the state of New York, and solicited gifts of support from alums. And I loved it. I thought it was a really fulfilling but also fun and challenging job. And that was my introduction to philanthropy and the idea, the concept that people are willing to give away hundreds, thousands, millions of their own personal dollars to make an institution or an organization better. I really couldn't believe it, but I loved it. And I met my husband doing that work. So eventually, fast forward through some other jobs and lots of ideas, and we both left our day jobs to launch our firm where we advise nonprofit organizations Institutions, think colleges, universities, day schools, museums, YMCAs, on how to raise money to fuel a project that they have. So many of us have heard the word campaign before or capital campaign. And my husband and I are really the leaders and spearheaders around what those plans will be, how much an organization can raise, and the strategies to go about it. But we also advise families on how to give their money away in a really meaningful and strategic way. That part of the job is extraordinarily fulfilling for me. And I realized through that part of the work that training and guiding the next generations of people who can be generous on how to do that in a really impactful way meant 
the world to me. It feels like such a privilege to work with people who want to know how their generosity can be as impactful as possible. And the idea of helping these people allows me to advise both nonprofits who want to advance a mission and make communities better, as well as donors who want to make sure that they're doing all that they can with their dollars. Why do you think teaching philanthropy to children and to kids is really important? We see in our country, we're lucky that places like the Giving USA Foundation collect a lot of data for us. And they just have reported this past summer that last year, $499 billion was given away in our country. The majority of that did come from individuals, but giving was down. And we can see over the years how giving from households countrywide is really kind of dipping. I think that um, inflation and just a lack of trust kind of amongst people and different organizations has created a more challenging environment for for charity. And I think we can kind of write that shift. I think that our children who grow up to believe that they are philanthropists and, and don't feel intimidated by that word or that concept will grow up as adults to truly be philanthropists and not reserve that word or that idea for the famous billionaires we hear about in the news, but actually consider every single day what they can do to make their community or their world a better place. So I like to I like to put my trust in the fact that they will grow up learning things and believing things differently than we did, and that that will change things around our charitable culture in this country in the future. You know, let's face it. People think of philanthropy They think of the Bill and Melinda Gateses. They don't think a normal, everyday person can be a philanthropist because they think it has to have millions of dollars tied into it. How do you break those myths? That's exactly right. I'm hoping this book, What's Philanthropy to Philomena, can break down some of these barriers and give us an even playing field around the the, the word. I do think that our country's reliance on people like the Gates is so heavy because so few people are moving so many millions and billions of dollars that we're kind of in this predicament right now where there is the perception that someone else will handle it. But I share in the book that Philomena, a young girl who goes through a day-long journey of discovering philanthropy actually sees how when things are brought into school for a food drive or when just her family collects trash at the beach or when just her family member comes and says, I'm giving money to this very specific program because I know what they need money for and I know what they do, our kids' eyes are kind of opened up to the idea that, hey, the world's sort of relying on us to function at its greatest levels. Um When we go to the ballet, that's made possible in part because someone was really generous. And when we go to the library or we hear that medical research breakthroughs were funded, when a scholarship is given to a student or a college student, all of those things were made possible because someone else said, I'm going to give something of mine to make this a little better and easier. The more we normalize that, 
that access and as a part of the conversations we have with kids, I think it's exposure that really changes their idea of who a philanthropist is. You know, I have to agree with you because, again, it's the misnomer that you have to have a lot to give, a little from everybody. I was watching somebody do a fundraiser the other day, and they said, you know, we have 60,000 people who've listened to this. If every one of you gave a dollar, we just raised $60,000. You know, that's the whole thing. It really is a little from a lot. And I think that kids grasp that concept easier than adults do because a dollar to them is a lot. Exactly. It is a big deal. That's, we go through a process of having our kids join our philanthropy at the end of each calendar year. And I break it down so it's pretty easy for them to help make, to make some choices and, and help us make choices as a family gift, collective gift. But I tell them, you have to give a gift, even if it's just $1. And my kids are young, but they do. They come up with more than a dollar because once kids get involved in seeing how things can be better and that they're not too little to be a part of it, they feel like they have a seat at the table and, and they're, they're invested. You know, it's funny. I just thought of how back in the day, our church was doing a fundraiser for tables and chairs. And we were having a luncheon and my sons were old enough to be part of the quote unquote wait staff. And there they were. And one of the women gave my son a dollar tip and he gave it to the woman who was running the fundraiser. And she said, oh, honey, this is all done. And he goes, well, no, this was a tip that I got and I wanted to give it for the fundraiser. She came over to me. She goes, that was the best dollar I've ever raised because he was nine. Yeah, and it was so, so sweet. sweet that he took the dollar he was given as a tip because this was a fundraiser. And it was funny. I actually wound up winning the 50-50 raffle that we did. And so we, as a family, donated our 50% back for the fundraiser. So yeah. they got to see it on a whole yeah. level. But he, I said, you know what? I'm going to have to take Dan's example and giving what he got back. So let's give everything we got back. That's so great. I love you know, that. But yeah. kids, let's face it, they are they are so open to everything we want to yeah. teach them. And if we teach them to be generous with their money, with their hearts, with their feeling, with all of this, it is so important. And, you know, how how do you as parents, this is your business, how have you, in, you know, brought your kids in? to what you were doing? What kind of conversations do you and your husband have with them? I'll point back to a few of the examples I just gave. We're very lucky uh, here in downtown West Palm Beach that there are things we can do as a family, like go to the theater that's just a few blocks away, go to a public library. And we are not shy about making sure that they know people have supported these institutions so that we can enjoy them. And when there's ever an example in front of them where we can be generous ourselves, we, we always try to, to the extent that we can swing it, we do. I make sure that there's one project each year, like I was referencing a few moments ago, around calendar year end, which is when my husband and I tend to think a lot about our giving and 
that's kind of the way America has worked and it doesn't have to be that way. Organizations accept donations all year and are grateful for them at any time of year. But I think they have come to rely on and expect that in the fourth quarter, people will have generosity on their minds even a little more. The tax write-offs by calendar year end are certainly a component to that. But I present my children with three options of nonprofits that I've found, which I think that they would like. So an example would be that we have one child who's really interested in the world and traveling and how people live in different areas of the world. And one of the organizations I presented this past year was a asylum seeking shelter in Western New York. And we have one child who loves animals. So one was an animal shelter. And then we talk as a family, I feel like somewhat often about food security. So one organization was similar to a food shelter. And they're an organization like many others that will say, hey, instead of donating food, we have the power of accessing food. We can buy it in such bulk and at such great deals that giving us a gift of $10, for example, can purchase so many meals. And we have families coming to us and the weather is getting colder. So we, our kids are five and seven and we sort of talk to them like they're adults with that type of information. So here are three organizations. Here's where they are. Here's what they do. And here are the outcomes that they want to drive. This is why they fundraise. And let's talk about it and select one. We pool our money together because my husband and I know from the work that we do that when you pool your resources together and you don't spread your money a mile wide and an inch deep, but you make more of an investment with your money, even if it's $10 or $10,000, that organization has a better chance of driving the outcomes and the impact that they articulate that that they're envisioning then if you do give a few dollars to a whole bunch of organizations so we practice what we preach we vote on one and then we make the gift together online or through a check and I tell my children how much I'll give and I ask them to give something even if it's a dollar like I said and they'll usually come up with, with more than that and we have one child who's really just sensitive to the needs of the world we actually have to be mindful of it because when we talk at length about less fortunate situations he wants to give every dollar that he has away and there's a lesson there too around always knowing what's going on and feeling it in your heart to give back but not feeling like the weight of the world is completely on your shoulders especially as a child but for adult donors I say the same thing we have to this is something that we're choosing to do and we need to choose it intelligently and very deliberately so that we can make an investment in something we really believe in. But I don't, I think children are capable of more than we think. And when we bring them into those conversations, I find that my kids are so excited. They have so many questions. And throughout the year, they're noticing nonprofits or what they believe to be other charitable institutions and kind of bring them up to me knowing we'll have that conversation again. On that note, please just think about what Meg was saying as we take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors, and we'll be back in just a moment 
here on Word of Mom Radio. She is brave. She is bold. She is you. And we want to tell your story. Are you ready to share your journey with us on Word of Mom Radio? Go to wordofmomradio.com and register as a guest. We want to tell your story because when you win, we all win. In 2017, Unsilenced Voices was formed to help survivors of domestic abuse and gender-based violence worldwide. The organization currently serves Sierra Leone, Rwanda, Ghana, and the USA. In 2022, Unsilenced Voices gifted over $33,000 to survivors in the USA. And in Sierra Leone, there are over 26 young girls who have been rescued from sex trafficking and domestic abuse and now going through vocational training school in order to better their lives. We need your help. Donations are critical in order for us to continue our work. We also need volunteers to help with research and development. Please visit unsilencedvoices.org for more information. Don't let the name fool you. Stadiumbags.com is not just for sports fans. Our clear bags make it easier for you to get into any venue that you go to. And in today's world where we are so concerned about germs, the materials that our bags are made with are strong enough to stand up to the solvents that you can use to clean your bag so you know you come home safely. Check out stadiumbags.com. You'll see why we are the clear choice because safety, it's in the bag. And we're back here on Word of Mom Radio. We are talking with Meg George about impactful philanthropy. I love what you were just saying because, again, our children are sponges. And I think people have forgotten that, you know what, when the richer people were paying larger shares of taxes, that's how libraries and schools and parks and everything were built. Because instead of paying it in taxes, why not give it away? When you give these huge breaks, it actually is such a disservice to all of the people that this money used to serve. So I think it's wonderful that you point out to your kids that the library and the ballet and all of these things, you look at all of those donors. And I mean, the ballet is a perfect example because you've got the high-end donors and then you've got the $50 donors. I know. There, it all matters. It all matters. So what do you say to teachers and caregivers and things as you are trying to bring this whole idea into the mainstream? I think teachers have this really unique power to talk to our kids about things they have to learn in their grade level with real-life examples and link it back to philanthropy. I mentioned earlier that funding medical research and, and medical breakthroughs is in part from foundations right? Someone wrote a grant to get that support or a private donor wrote a check or made a pledge over a series of years to fund that research. Well, when we learn about science when in the classroom, can teachers offer examples of things that are taken care of, you know, that we're really not even privy to at universities and in research labs that are available to the rest of the world because of someone's generosity? 
And there are so many other examples like that, including going to the ballet in a dance class or when you're talking about art, but also when we do study the world and we acknowledge that there are pockets of people and things, including animals and the environment that are in a less fortunate position than they once were or who are less fortunate than we are, we have the chance to talk about how philanthropy does change that or can change that. I look at a place like the Audubon Society, which is a huge national organization focused on birds, but it's so much deeper than that. The work that they fund around preservation of our space is linked to birds' ability to thrive, but how amazing that all of us who live in this country benefit from, that's just one example of an organization who has these regional hubs all over the country taking a really deep look at what they need to do in their own communities around preservation of land and community. And I would love for teachers to do some poking around and seeing how they can maybe link some of the philanthropic institutions and organizations, funding opportunities and, and donations to the things that they teach children so that there's a link between what the reality is and how it got there, how it's made possible. For you, what's next in your work? You've launched this book that is going to make a really big impact. Where are you going now? I would love to feel like I can stand in front of kids of any age and from any walk of life and really open their eyes to philanthropy as an idea, a feeling, something that they can grow up to believe in and participate in, and also as a field. I have a French degree. My husband has a law degree. We weren't trained on doing this work. We learned on the job and we learned from the people who came before us. But it's a new day. I'm a young mom who loves to write and loves to speak and loves to consult. And I want other people like me to join me. I don't think that most people in my industry fit the same mold necessarily that I just described, but why not? You know, I would, I hope that the book can be used as a tool to attract more curiosity around the idea of philanthropy. And I hope that I can write more about it. I've already started more books about philanthropy and even just books about my own life and the journey I've, I've gone on so far. So I hope that writing and speaking both about philanthropy and just my life in general will be a part of the future. And I hope that in five years, Philomena has inspired a lot of kids to do their part to make the world a better place. I want to segue because I read the article you wrote about your daughter and her life-threatening allergic reaction and how a stranger's not-for-profit social media account was part of what helped save what that it was a remarkable read it really was and you know my mom heart just oh my gosh I can't even imagine yeah that was terrifying so I got very lucky and I'm extremely grateful that the Today Show posted that article I saw when we first moved to West Palm Beach that these 
you know, red sneakers were all over the place at the school where my children were going. And don't know why. Well, I do know why now, but didn't know why at the time that I was drawn to read about red sneakers for Oakley, but I was, and I did. And I learned about how severe reactions happen with children or adults and food allergies that they can be fatal. That's the story of the red sneakers that this beautiful little boy Oakley lost his life to the reaction from a nut allergy and his parents are really angels on earth who've now devoted their life to making sure that doesn't happen again. And they spread so much awareness and education about this. I read about it. I couldn't believe it, but felt really equipped with knowledge that I definitely didn't have before I signed on to their account. And it was just weeks later when my daughter, who we had no idea had a nut allergy herself, experienced a life-threatening allergic reaction to cashew ice cream at an event. And I knew we needed epinephrine because Oakley's parents, again, beyond selfless, right, had posted, geez, we really wish we knew this. Epinephrine could have made it so our boy is still here. Don't make the same mistake. I screamed out in public and by the grace of God, a doctor was there with an EpiPen, an epinephrine injector who came and saved her life. And I can't believe the story is mine. Even when I read it, it makes me feel emotional all over again. But I do have a real passion for food allergy awareness and advocacy for epinephrine to be available to people, whether they need it or don't know that they need it. We should all know what to do in those situations. It was an amazing read. I, I, it really was. And like I said, my mom heart, I just, oh my gosh. And what a sweetie pie. Just such a sweet little thing. I mean, she's just so cute. Thank you. Oh, really kind of an interesting way to, to be ending this conversation, but awareness is what this whole conversation has been about. It is. It really has. So as we wrap up, Meg, what would you like to leave our listeners with and how may they reach out to you? I would love to hear from anyone. My contact information is right on megtgeorge.com. And I have an Instagram account that I try to post on and connect with other people on so that I can follow other people's journeys and stories as well. My book is available on megtgeorge.com as well as on Amazon. And I'll make sure that both of those links are available to anyone who's interested in checking out Philomena. And I would want people to know that your children can handle hearing about how they can be generous and that they will love, love, love the way it feels to give back. Because I know I do and the people who I advise do. And I can tell you that my own children love it. So thank you for joining me in this conversation about generosity. And I hope it becomes a tradition for your own family. I do too. And I thank you so much, Meg, for coming and taking your time to share your journey with us here on Word of Mom Radio. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Dory, for having me. I'm grateful. Absolutely my pleasure. And to all of you tuning in, thanks for spending your time with us today. Be sure to share this and subscribe and do all of those great following things and connect with Meg. Her link's for her book and everything are going to be there. Pick it up. It's a great way to teach your kids 
how giving can make them feel so good. And so we're going to close out now with our fabulous theme song from Smith Sisters and the Sunday Drivers. So till next time, this is Dory DiCarlo saying go out and create a marvelous you. Bye for now. She is sure. She is sure. She is strong. She is strong. She is true. She is true. She is brave. She is brave. She is bold. She is bold. She is you. She is sure. She is sure. She is strong. She is strong. She is true. She is true. She is brave. She is brave. She is bold. She is bold. She is you. Sure of herself. Yes, she takes care of biz. Dreams.